Yo, what's good? Welcome back to the Tough Block Podcast. It's your boy Monix. Your boy DJ. We got some returning guests here. We got my man Mitch right here. Caesar. You got Jamie Ball over there in the corner. And uh, first off, I want to thank everybody for coming back, man. Of course. It's been amazing to have you all together. We did everything separate, but nice. How, how you guys been since the last show? Great, great. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Yeah. yeah. Anything new? Oh. Getting my car, my car stuff done today. <laughs> I, I I moved. That's about it, though. Yeah, yeah. I got. I did the test for the Sundan. Oh no, I did that right. No, I guess same old, same old. Really, since the last podcast for the time being. That's good. Hey, you backing off the air? I uh, just bought a new house right across the corner. Hey, hey not by not by the um by choice, but by necessity, right? So, pops and uh, my niece moved in with me about eight months back, and so we had this house built so we could actually house everybody and get off of each other's necks so mm-hmm. that's been real good still moving in still getting that process uh set up so yeah. that's new congrats brother congrats what about you James? Well, since the last podcast uh, coronavirus <laughs> shut down yeah. oh wow it's been that long eh? yeah oh wow yeah how have you guys been handling the whole new rule set and everything with the whole coronavirus now Different, right? Yeah, different. I mean, the one thing about jujitsu, it does definitely teach you how to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. So I gotta definitely say that, you know, under the leadership and the, I guess you would say, uh, encouragement of our fearless leader, you know, what I'm saying, Mr. Duvall over there, um, we kept it open, we kept it moving, like we adapted to everything that they saw my way, and we've come up with really safe smart ways to make it safe to continue to do jujitsu. Right, for sure. So, yeah. I also find it interesting that we um, dabbled with um, Zoom. Mm-hmm. We did Zoom class, which I enjoyed a lot teaching those things. And um, we have implemented new um, classes like Zumba. We have Zumba now. And um, what I did like about when it came to teaching judo is that there were little tiny little details you really couldn't do, like, like sweeping the foot and things that you can't really spend a whole hour with. If you only have one hour with the kids, you can't really go into it. But I had the whole coronavirus um, time, if you will, uh, to actually uh, teach them good sweeps and tiny little details that normally you wouldn't have time for, you know, because there's no need for contact in order to do certain movements. Right. So we got to focus on that. So I, I found it like it was an opportunity to really expand on, on my teachings. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's up. I guess I'm um, dealing with it. <laughs> I would say uh, when you grow up poor and without, you get used to being without. Yeah. So hard times, when you grew up with hard times, yeah. you're used to hard times. So I feel sorry for people who didn't go through hard times right, right. now. 100% haven't gone through hard times in the past because right now they're going through it. Going through yeah. through you know, things are taken away, whether it be rights or uh, normalcy or things like that that you have. So if you, you, know, you, you understand what it is to be without, I think you kind of like, you know, just another day for you, for some of those that are without and never had that, you know, they're probably going through some of those situations where, you know, if you never might have lacked food in your life, you know, you start to have to go to a food bank that's, you know, yeah, that might be rough on you. So, you know, in that case, I guess I can say that uh, just for me, it seems like another situation of being without again. Right. But been there, done that, and so you just you learn how to come up from out of that situation. And you know, you just stay strong. You'll come out of this. Thing. So that's how I kind of felt about the whole thing. Yeah, I agree 100 percent with what you said. Because even as an adult, I um, 
you know, being an actor and, and a martial artist and such. And I've gone through times in my life where I would go months without making any money. Just like maybe like $500, I kid you not, for those two months. I thought of it, that's whatever, you know. And then so when the coronavirus hit, my fiance, she's a marketing executive in Konami. And um, she's like, oh man, I don't know if we're going to get laid off. I don't know, blah, 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 blah. Oh man, we're going to be without, you know, going to the office for two months, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, and she's like, oh, you know, I'm like, welcome to my world. <laughs> it's like, you know, but she wasn't that bad, to be honest with you. But there were other people who had, like, stable jobs who, who are like, I can't, I can't imagine going two weeks without knowing if I'm going to keep a job or not. It's like, you know. Routines can be a very good thing, but they can also be a bad thing. You got too used to it. You disrupt somebody's routine, now all of a sudden they got to learn how to adapt on the fly, and when they can't, to tap out, yeah, right? That's, that's just true. how it is. I mean, that uh, applies to jiu-jitsu, right? Just adaptability. Adaptability. Yeah. You have the best plan, mm-hmm. but when the guy goes left, instead of right, right. Oh. <laughs> adaptability is the case that you must that you always must have in martial arts to be able to be adaptable and never stay within one pattern and be able to shift between patterns, but have an understanding of what you're shifting to. Because sometimes mm-hmm. you may the adaptability sometimes may be a, a reaction. But you make the wrong reaction. Mm-hmm. It's the same with the wrong decision, the wrong reaction. End up in a worse situation than what you were in before. Mm-hmm. So being adaptability, or at least having a, a plan ahead when there's time to plan, because it, that's what most martial arts are, is trying to prepare for reactions through the idea of thought of reaction. What would you do? Mm-hmm. You know, that question that we always ask, what would you do? You know, some people have that joke like, you know, like conspiracy theorists maybe running around getting bunkers and stuff like that ready. And some people today or before thought that was a joke. And that guy saying, well, what would you do if this happened? Yeah. Well, while he was planning for it, none of the laughing, yeah. kind of like Noah's Ark. For you know? sure. They were yeah. preparing the boat and everybody's laughing. And he's like, what would you do if a flood came? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, there's no going to flood. And then the flood came. And then all of a sudden he has the boat. And they're like, oh, give me a lift. So, you, you know, and it's interesting that, that you said about adaptivity because um, you have like two martial arts, right? The biggest teach kata, basically, karate, you know. Right? At least Americanized karate, you know. They're hardcore in Japan, but, you know, like one, two, and then hook, and this, and blah, blah. And that's how they teach you. Mm-hmm. And jiu-jitsu, you know, and judo, and maybe other competitive sports, like Muay Thai and such. It's like, okay, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. You have to get rid of it, mm-hmm. you have to prepare with that. Now, in real life, what are we doing in order to expect the unexpected? You know, we just going through day in, day out, the same thing. And so when something like this hits, you're gonna freak out and you're gonna be like, oh man, unemployment, uh, this or, or you're gonna be able to adapt. Yeah. Right. And a lot of us, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to speak for everybody, I feel like everybody kind of got it out the mud, weren't really, you know, well off in the beginning. So we had no choice but to adapt, you know? Yeah, so yeah. Like, throughout this that learning experience. Yeah. You don't have, you have to be ingenious, I guess. Yeah, make it up as you go. Yeah. 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 Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. Definitely yeah. a saying that, that we can uh, definitely relate to. <laughs> so, uh, so tell me, uh, give us, give us, uh, me and my brother, a background how everybody met here the first the first time everybody came together. Well, I was Charleston, right? Well, I met Caesar uh, in I think two thousand seven and eight around that time. Uh, he was training judo with the judo program at the uh, facility that we started at, which was Team Mika on Charleston. It was Charleston. Upland yeah. at that time. Uh, he was training with uh, uh, Carlos. 
Yeah, I think Carlos was there. Yeah, there Eunice Carlos was there too. Was, so I'm not sure. It was Carlos's program in the beginning. Yeah. When Carlos left. That's what okay. That makes over. sense. So I think you were a friend of Carlos. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Carlos. Actually, the funny thing is, I heard Carlos's uh, name for years when I was at UNLV, like before that. But when I moved back to California, and when I moved back, I actually tried to get together with Eunice, and then he actually finally got me together with Carlos, and that's how we met. So, yeah, Carlos was an awesome dude. Yeah, there was a separation of time between me and you, so I hadn't mm-hmm. seen you, I don't know, about 10 years after that. 10 years? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Give or take. And then you showed up yeah, at the yeah. UFC gym. At the UFC gym. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Mitch, we had mutual friends in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we attended the same high school circle. Um, and then knew of him. I don't think he knew of me, but maybe I knew more of him than he knew of me in high school. He might have heard my name a few times. And then yeah. We later met, same thing, some years down the road, probably about 10 or 11 years later at uh, work. Yeah. So I got a job where he was working at. Oh, what? Yeah. at hey, hey, cool. cool. And that's how Jiu-Jitsu started for me because I went ahead and jumped into that aspect of my taekwondo learning that since i was eight years old coming up thinking i was pretty tough you know and then me and jane we got to be really really good friends and uh we were messing around one day and i think i've told the story before but we were messing around one day and so we kind of compared arts and uh his art won (laughs) 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 it caught me in a a arm bar and it was like within five seconds or something and um, i was like yo what was that what did you do and he was like yo jujitsu i'm about to go over there now Followed him over there in 2009, November, and I ain't left since. Well, you know, and it's good that you're that kind of person who, when you present it to something that's reality based, or, or yeah. right, and you shift your view. Like, yeah. Okay, this exactly. is the real reality. <laughs> there are a couple of guys that were, same thing, were like, <laughs> who were really into uh, mixed martial arts and, and situations uh-huh. like that had came before he tried. And they would always come back with the story, because I guess like every time someone came to the gym and went back to work it was like oh you know now oh yeah, yeah. I heard so and so was going over there with you yeah 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 how's he doing oh he's going he's lasting and then you know maybe he dies off and then the next person come you know and then it was a joke if you couldn't last you know you came back to work and you didn't stay there long or you weren't doing it anymore then you know people would rag on you and mess with you at work mm-hmm. and so again it became that oh, who's next and then the next and the next and eventually That's he went funny. and he was the one that stayed the longest and, yeah that's how we kind of met in that situation. So, uh, yeah, martial arts had something to do with uh, making a connection. And then again, I said we were working in the same, another gym, mutual gym yeah. together. And uh, I was like, oh, you know, Caesar. And <laughs> eventually he said, hey, when he when he left the job, same thing, I left it. Yeah. He came here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We worked together at this facility. Yeah. Same thing. You know, came, came uh, I always said it. Uh, the closest person that I had had as a friend that did jujitsu with me was Mitch. Um, the only one that would come and actually really go through the, you know, the process because yeah. it's a process. And yeah. some people they want to get into it, but it's like, oh, you know, today I got to go do this, and tomorrow I got to go do that, and next day I got to go do this. So I'm not able to come every day. So I'm like, mm, you don't come as much or you know, often. It's going to be very hard, and you're just going to kind of get discouraged and quit. So you know, I'm always on people. A lot of friends is just like, you know, man, you on that grind. I, I got things going on, or I want to have things going on. I don't want to dedicate my life to this. They choose, you know, so it's like, it's not choose to, to walk the other so, way. Yeah, so. I got in that talk, too. I, I've been told that uh, when, when, uh, when I was younger, when I first started judo, they were like, you know, 
Jose Caricate was my first uh, UNLV instructor. And he's like, um, he, he gave me the same speech, like, hey, either you start coming more or are you essentially where you're at? I think everybody gets that speech. And that's, yeah. I guess, when you decide, okay, am I, like, is this going to be a lifestyle or not? <laughs> I mean, fourth in the row, right? You yeah, get yeah, to that yeah. crossroads and you're kind of like, you have to make a decision. Like, I, I didn't know you did Taekwondo. Yeah. yeah. Started I started when I was nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how long did you stay with it? Uh, went all the way up until about 12, like going consistently uh -huh. like I was doing. And then football introduced itself yeah. to me. Did you get your black belt or? No, no, no. I, uh, I changed senseis in the middle. Yeah. So Bob Chaney was my first instructor. Oh, he sounds familiar. Yeah. And so Chaney. then from there, I went to Harry Cotto. And then from there, uh, my best friend Rick introduced me to football. And then I jumped on that and then got my football and went to college. He's a legend. And man, he's got to be humble, man. Yeah. He's a legend over here. If you didn't, if you, you might know the name, but you probably don't know the face, obviously, wearing a helmet all the time and all that. So. Crazy story, mm -hmm. I think I was saying, um, I was Richard Siegler, he uh, played for the Steelers, and we were actually sitting playing poker, and um, I'm sitting right next to him, just like we're sitting here, right. and we playing, getting the cards dealt, and then he's like, yo, man, he was like, football back in the day, just remember reminiscing on stories, and so he's like, man, you remember that dude from El Dorado, uh, Mitch Bowles? coldest running back man he was so cold like he inspired me i used to come watch him play this and the third and i'm looking at him i'm like yeah yeah i know him i know him pretty well and, um, <laughs> he was like for real for real yeah i was like yeah i am him and he was like what <laughs> no you lying so i had to pull out my license you know, and show him the and stuff like that because he was in the nfl he played for the steelers right so i was like yeah he was like man bro i didn't even know that was Same high school. Essentially, yeah. I went like ten years after. But for me, 
even going to that school, like when you're, cause it's not in the, it's not in the nicest neighborhood. No, you know no. what I mean? But for it's me, when I was going there, I still had a hard work ethic. I just, I wasn't inspired when I went there. Mm. And then just hearing you and how you you were able to keep that hard work and and, and stay inspired to stay on top of your game all throughout as a young man. That's crazy. You don't hear that a lot. Absolutely. So I have to definitely give that to my dad, right? Just for right. the simple fact that all my best friends growing up, no dance. Right. None of them. Right. I was the only one with a dad. So Big Mitch was Big Mitch, right? He was everybody's dad in that sense. And so my friends, I would see the struggle that they would have. Mm-hmm. And then I would be able to go to my dad and be like, hey, moms, like, Bernal just did this. And, you know, Rick did that. You know, Isaac did this. Frank did that. And then he's like, yeah, you know, I, I went through those things too as I was growing up, blah, blah, blah. So I got to use their experiences mm-hmm. and learn off of them. The only thing that I couldn't learn was the affairs of the heart, right? You right. can't really take somebody else's experiences from the heart and use that to guide your decision. For sure. But everything else, I was able to say, man, you know, I'm not going to really go down that road because I see where it leads. And well, I want to be ahead of that. So, important to have a father. Father yeah. is very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that major, especially for boys, I think having a father is that key to success. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Because a man keeps you in check. Yeah, you know? yeah. And you identify with that. You see it. Moms, you want to take care of, and you're you're always trying to maybe take something that you're not. You know, mom like takes you, care of you. Yeah, she takes care of you, and then you get to that point where you're like, well, I got to do this. I got to take care of my mom. And so yeah, right, you right. don't really listen that well because you think as a man, you know, I'm supposed to be the man because you hear what society says. I'm supposed to take care of this, that, mm-hmm. and the third. And so, you know, mom will be the nurturer. She'll take care of you there, but yeah. you want to be the one internally that takes care of the whole household and kind of puts everything on your back, right? Sure. And you got to make hard decisions when you do that. And sometimes if you don't have the right guidance, there's a wrong decision. Right. And and going off of that, you guys came through a period where, like, through the 90s and 80s and, and, and all old school where, you know, like, training and all that, I'm sure it was a lot more tougher back then. It was. Then. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's different. As teachers, how are you guys adapting to the new world, like, Gotta be nurturing, nurturing. Um, somebody said to me, I think it's true. Um, one takes a village to raise a child, right. yeah. I was gonna believe that. Uh, I think we've gotten out of the village, the instinctual, which was created in the sense of I mean, you guys come from Polynesian culture, so if you understand that, that culture it's a family oriented oh, yeah. culture, mm-hmm. it's based upon uh, elders, lineage, history, your, your past. Your, who you are, what makes you, uh, the stories, the stories of the past, the ones that are passed down through tradition, um, that builds you, that builds who you are, that builds your, your understanding of life. So that's number one. You need a lot of people to raise because um, in its truest form, a pack is always going to look out for each other when the pack is, knows that it's looking out for each other. That was the idea of... Uh, if you want to call it native culture, is that the pack understands that what's most important is the pack and not individuals within. Right, right. We take care of our elders, so the young support the elders. When the elders were elder and you were young, they supported you. And so that's the trade. You know, you're a baby, you can't do, we do. Right. When you become old, we become babies again. Yeah. You become right. old. Mm-hmm. You. So it, it works like that, right? The elders surround you and you're in the middle. Uh, and the animals of packs of animals that run in packs, that's what they do. The young are in the circle of the elder, the old. The youngest are always in the lead. The lead is the leader. He's most important to look out for everyone. Right. So a leader is not leading 
to be held in the sense of a leader. He's the leader with the most responsibility. To sort of be a leader is the most responsible because he has to look out for everyone, right? And even amongst animals, they the only one that ends up trailing is the one, again, the two strongest to leave in the, the trail. And if you can't hang on, they try to hold on to you until it's time for you to go. And you understand that your going is a, is, is, is a sacrifice, but we remember that. So in a sense that we... The elders look out for you and you're in the middle. Then when you become the elder and the elders become the elders, they go to the middle and you hold them. Right. And you hold them until it's their time. So raising kids is the same sense. You can't do it with a nuclear family. I'm sorry. And every time you eliminate that part of the village and that part of the family, you lose a part of society and humanity. Because when you take away the father, now you have a whole lot of children being raised by one person. You gotta remember, it takes a pack, right? So you're taking away what the pack, what makes the pack. You take away the grandparents. That's your first, you know. That's your history. Your grandparents are gone. They're in some retirement home, or they're off somewhere else, and you're far away. You're not being raised by the grandparents who passed down those stories of pride and all of that for you to live on. And then you're just raised left by the parents, and then the parents are living in this world today where it takes so much away from you, time and things like that. You can't get back. Then you may lose another parent, whether it be to society's norms or ills or whatever, be health. And then now you're left with one parent to raise you. And again, you need guidance. So it's hard to get guidance from one individual. This is why, what is a gang? It's a pack. Yeah. And we're all getting that, but now it's a negative pack. With the tensions for good, but doing bad, believing that bad is good is reversed. And good is bad. So then you have that same pack. So again, raising, I think, children, that's first. And then the nurturing part is a part of that, you know. other Us as single parents sometimes, or being raised by single parents, have to play that two role. So they have to be the nurturer and they have to be the disciplinarian. Yeah. It's very hard to play that role For sure. because you're two faces. Yeah. You know, and you're like, one day is this face, another day is that face. Yeah. Can you imagine as a person trying to take that in? You can't separate that one person into two. It's like they're one day you don't know, so you on edge. Like one day mom is cool, the next day she's on edge, or dad's on edge. You know, usually it's supposed to be a balance. Mom is this, dad is that, grandparents are this, so it's a balance there. So again, when I try to teach that way, I understand that because you can't take every kid and put them into a factory and think that they're gonna learn in a factory sense. They do that right now. It's called school. It doesn't work. It never has. It's, a, it's just a situation to put you in a factory mm -hmm. because that's what the, that's what our nation, when it came from the native to the industrial revolution, was we need to put you in a factory. So we need to have a factory line. So we the factory line. When that line is broken, we take, we have to replace it. But everybody has to work in the same sense and to work this line. So again, we need you to fit in your spot. Very hard when you're an individual to fit the spot someone makes for you that you didn't make for yourself if you don't want it. Sure. So I think teaching is the same way I teach the kids like, to think for themselves, to have a mind, to understand it comes responsibility, but again, to work as a group into helping the child grow. It's not going to leave me alone, you know, and it's not just the same way. It's hard to make one parent. Yes, can one parent do it? Yes, you can do it. You can do it, and you can't, but let's not take on that unless it's bestowed upon you with no choice. Just look as a group and as a, a whole and as a village to raise. And that's the way I see it in the sense of compared to the past, compared to other cultures that may come here from a more family-orientated culture, you know, coming to the nuclear family country, which is based upon the nuclear family, which is just basically mom, dad, and whoever's with us. Yeah. 
And then now, the, now the new form of parenting, which is single parenting, which is one of the hardest things that I believe is, is, yeah. is one of the things that's crumbling society, man, because we have to pull the boat by ourselves. Yeah, because I think it's scientifically proven that uh, if a child comes from two parents rather than just being brought, uh, brought up to one, yes, yeah. they tend to be more successful. Statistically, yes, when both yeah. parents are involved in the nurturing and the raising, again, when you see coaches that raise still in the sense of a village, the children usually just follow right along. You know, it's, the, it's always going to be exceptions to the rules. You know, that's just a part of it. But they, like, they always say, right? Like, two days are better than one. No, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same yeah, that you come up with in your life, they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like, you know, definitely what um, Professor James said right there, what Sensei Seaver said, I echo that. And then I also feel like, too, being and growing up the way that I did, being talented and having a lot of things kind of like at my disposal, I guess you would say, it gives me a different insight because I never wanted to teach. Um, mm -hmm. I always felt like the kids wouldn't be able to do some of the things and I didn't know how I would be able to react or like how I would be able to handle a kid that can't do this flip or can't do this role, right? And I found that that actually has made me more sympathetic to them and it's made me more creative to figure out a way to help yeah, them to right. get there. Because I'm like, yo, I was able to just, oh, you can't just do this? No, you can't be like that with someone when you're trying to teach and you're trying right. to be a true teacher. You have to ask yourself, okay, if he can't do this, how do I help him be that? How do I help him become better or her become better? And I love watching women and girls do it because right, you don't expect them to be able to do some of the things. Mm -hmm. I have a daughter who can, you know, she can get down with the best of them being six years old, right? And it's just because I find other ways. And James challenged me with that. He's like, Mitch, I'm gonna give you this little class, right? Four, five, and six-year-olds. He was like, take it over, do what you do. And so we've had conversations here and there, and he's like, you know, you have to really not teach jujitsu. You have to teach it, but you have to not teach it. You have to hide it in these games, and you have to make it where it's fun and make it where it's interesting. And some of the kids that we've had come through the program, man, they're like, they get to that next level, and it's like, they just get it. You know, but it's like, do you know what you're doing? But that's, no. that, that's where you have to be the nurturer. You have to be the baby, so you have to yeah. nurture. Yeah. You know? And it's interesting that you um, say that um, you got to know when to be nurturer. You want to be like a uh, stern. Yes. Stern. Yeah. You can't be a dictator. But you can't. And you can't be a soft pillar. I, I know 10, 15 years ago, because I always worked with children when we were younger. You know, I was in AmeriCorps, I was in Boys and Girls Club, YMCA when I was younger, blah, blah, blah. And when, when I was a uh, teacher at the YMCA and the Boys and Girls Club, I was kind of like, why don't they just understand? I'm trying to teach them, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't until like years later it hit me, like, you know, some kids just can't. They're not ready for that. And now I, I know when to switch it on and off. You know, like, like that's the problem. Maybe a week ago there was a kid, um, maybe didn't do judo before, maybe did a class before, but or I'm trying to explain. Oh, I know exactly who it was now. Okay, it was about two weeks ago. And he's been with me for about a month, for two weeks. I'm like, is he just listening is he bored is he yeah. blah, blah, blah. and then in the middle of the class it clicked me he has a learning disability you know no one told me uh maybe the parents don't even know right. and then i went from being hey right here right now to being like okay okay everybody do this blah blah, blah. so you know we're gonna play a game okay buddy blah 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 and he's doing better now now that i understand the situation right. you know but it takes a village yeah. it takes the parents right. to be aware of that to have someone diagnose him and someone let the instructor but know. That's the thing. We're teaching. And, you know, we all got to get together. And communication groups. is key. We're teaching groups. Everybody yeah. teaches in groups. Everything has to be done in a group nowadays. Like, being that COVID is around, you're being reduced to back to individual learning. Yeah. Um, when you try to teach a group, 
you teach, you're teaching, and you hope that they, they're listening, they're following you. Yes. But the a group is never the same. It's never ten of the same. Mm -hmm. That but that's just the way it's been presented because it's like this is what's been going on for so long. It's a repeat of that. But we're in a new age, um, we're in a new time, things have changed, technology has advanced tenfold. And some people are still teaching in the group sense. You know, we're trying to teach, like, again, you just said that kid was in two weeks, but you're probably in a mixture with kids that you have yeah. in three years. <laughs> yeah, so totally. Yeah, so, again, yeah, in school, right. they break it down. Grades. Grades. Uh -huh. Grades are age. And then they break it down again when they find, whether you want to classify it as a learning disability or get whatever it is, the speed. I call it speed of learning. Everybody learns at their own speed, so I don't call it a disability, right? Disability even still could be like that person, whether knowledgeable or unknowledgeable, can't do it. But there's a speed to it. And so, so in class, they would probably pull you out of class and send you with a person and have them read to you or work with you or do whatever or put you in a quote-unquote special class. But I don't like again, special. What is special? It just says time frame. Everybody learns at their own time frame, but because we've been grouped into, again, a factory sense because in a factory sense your your time of learning it doesn't work with my time of production yeah. so I need to find who is going to fit in this time of production for this to be produced at a reasonable time so again if you're not within that you get outcasted you get pushed into a special class mm -hmm. you get a label and then that person has to live with that but if we can just eliminate the label and say, okay, there's a time frame, and that time frame, we have to understand how that time frame works. So I see kids like that, and every time I see that, I modify a program and say, okay, let me slow it down for the time frame. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying that this person is this, that, and a third, because it's so easy. Because in work, it's like that, right? At work, you go to work, you've been, it's like when you don't produce, you're fired. Yeah. They find a replacement for you. You might have been doing your best job, but it's not their best. You know, so they don't have time for that. And that's that's the society we live in. We have to produce a lot in a short amount of time with a little bit of resources. Yeah. And we gotta produce and keep producing and keep producing. So again, we as individuals just fall into that. We fall and take that in and accept that. So then you reflect it. You know, what you absorb, you reflect. And you reflect that right back on the next person. Oh, you're not doing it fast enough. Oh, it's not this, you're not learning. Oh, you're not following along. So what ends up is the same thing you get at work. You get reprimanded, ridiculed, pulled to the side, called in the office, given a day off, a week off, time off, you're fired. You know what I'm saying? So they give it to you like that and say, okay, you know, but that's the society we come in, but society is changing. It's becoming more based on like individualism. And then there's a there's this just draw between group and individualism because individualism is now sharing. Sharing says I have my own time. I get to share knowledge and learn myself at my pace. My time. And I probably can learn better that way. Less pressure. You know, tests are that I'm not ready for. Time-consuming things that I, you know, I, who knows what my home life is like. It's another thing. We're in a society now, virtual. But who knows what your home life is like? What if you don't even have the internet? Yeah. You can't yeah. afford it. You don't have uh, iPads and computers and Macs and all of that stuff. How are you learning? Yeah. You know, but it makes you have to learn on your own again. So, again, now you can learn at your own pace. So, I believe that. When I teach, I put those thoughts in my mind like uh, Caesar said, yeah, I've been working with kids for a long time based upon whether it was my, my 
mother, grandparents, aunts, all them teaching. I got to go to class with them because I'm a knucklehead. Get kicked out my class and have to go to their class. To <laughs> see, that's my punishment. Yeah, you could go. To you know, class. so I'm helping the lower team. class because they're younger kids. So then I'm in there. You know, and then from there, of course, uh, childhood and situations and being around kids, and then also being a, a troubled teen. And having my own afflictions of life through, you know, whatever uh, situations I grew up in, to becoming a teen that had to be mentored and needed to be put in a mentoring program to correct and help me. So having that absorbent of a mentor, you know, to replace growing up in a single parent home without a father. So I had to have a mentor come in and guide me and show me what it was to be a man, you know, and help me out be a man. So then that helps me reflect back and go same thing now i'm the mentor doing the same thing and saying okay this is what this person might have been going through thinking and all those life experiences and learning and again same thing learning about different situations and what people have and have and have nots and how you can reach them and touch them and i think that's the wonderful thing about martial arts and jiu-jitsu just like in the movies you can turn that person who doesn't have those things into the person that does so again taking the caterpillar and turning into a butterfly through that cocoon process of taking its time and letting it develop at its own pace and own time. And then eventually when it breaks out of that cocoon, who knows when that time is? And it makes this beautiful uh, insect or animal. And then it becomes on its own. It can fly with wings and wonderful colors, but it took its time and not rushed them based on society's time frame when you need to produce and need to be ready. I think that's why schools are changing. And the school of thought is changing <clears throat> with access to the web. People's thoughts change really fast because you can reach all the way across the world and learn something in about a matter of seconds where they might have took somebody actually going there in the past. That's the difference. So a lot of times we're learning from uh, others' experiences that are teaching us who said they had an experience where they learned through a book or learned that situation right. themselves. So now we can experience it right through the web. That's where I think teaching is going today. Oh, yeah. So teaching in that new sense. And, and speaking of, uh, of growth, essentially you were, you were talking on growth. I don't want to get too controversial or anything, but, but us all being men of color, yes. like the, the state of minorities is now coming out of its own cocoon and mm -hmm. starting to flourish in its own. Well, what is your guys taking? Especially, you know, you guys went through, like I said, through the 90s and 2000, you've seen this whole oh, yeah. cultural change. Uh, well, what is your guys' views on it? Well, I feel... I love the way that, like you explained it, growing up through the 90s, right? There were certain things that we did not have and we learned how to adapt without it. There's just rules of the streets or rules of your neighborhood or just rules in general or etiquette. It's just the way that you're supposed to behave, right? And we learned that from an early age because the eyes weren't there, right? You didn't have somebody with a cell phone that was recording everything. I remember the first cell phone I got it was like this little bitty small thing and it had Bluetooth, you could flip it out, it was an Ericsson 28 and you could play tennis. Like, <laughs> away against somebody else. There was no visual screen on there or anything like that. Obviously, those phones didn't come out until 2007 um, and, and beyond. But there weren't eyes there to see. So like, uh, I was watching Hard Knocks and one guy was on there speaking about that. And what he said, um, every time I see something bad happen to a man of color or, or whatnot, he was like, I just think about all the people that didn't get a chance to be seen. Yeah. All the police brutality yeah. that happened behind closed doors before they had the cams and oh, all of that sure. type of stuff. Yeah. He was like, so we had we had to know how to maneuver back then. And so now it's nothing different. I know how to maneuver mm -hmm. and keep myself out of harm's way just because of the way that I grew up. So that's why I love the way we grew up because it 
condition me for what we're going through now because it's bad. For yeah, sure. It's just, real bad out there. And just like the Rodney King situation, because it was finally staked. Somebody had something on camera. Oh, yeah. And now there's proof. And it was know? bad. Like, yeah. And then they let oh, the yeah. people off. But you beat this man that crazy. And they had no idea that they were being filmed or whatever. So yeah. they were just doing what they normally feel yeah. like. Here's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Shooting somebody in the back seven times. Like, come on. Like, yeah. really? You guys are still doing these crazy things? Yeah. It's not right, man. man. It's not right. Yeah. I think about John Lewis, man. He, yeah. uh, who passed away recently, he marched with Martin Luther King, right? And then he um, saw the first, at least partially African-American um, president ever, he, you know, sworn in. And then he sees the, the Black Lives Matter movement come up because black men are still being oppressed. And then, and it's ever, ever nasty. And then I remember when I was a kid and I saw the beatings on TV in California, because I lived in California yeah. at the time being. And then I, I, I heard about the, the riots and I would walk, you know, my sister would walk me to school to get to the bus over there. And I'm looking around thinking, ah, <laughs> this is fucked up. And then the OJ Simpson trial, I was there. I was in middle school and I heard that verdict and everybody just so tense. I felt the tension. 25 years later, I still feel that same fucking tension. Now, putting it all together, you have someone like John Lewis, who spent his whole life trying, trying his best to, um, you know, uh, better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, to see change, right? And many, I'm not just saying him, many people. Yeah. Many people, you know, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, Martin Malcolm X, all of them, you know. And then they passed away, seeing very little change. Right, right, right. In the end. And then... I see very little change from 25 years ago. I have to disagree. Though. And I then, but I just gotta say this. I just gotta say this. Um, but then, um, so what I'm saying is, this is something that's never gonna go away. I would have to disagree we, on that. Too. We, we all have to kind of just keep fighting. I think when you grow. when you repeat uh-huh. that and you repeat those words, mm-hmm. you keep it going. I feel, I feel like that's a repetition and. Mm-hmm. I, I disagree to say we made little change is totally different. You think it's I, yeah, because I mean, like as a person of mm-hmm. color. Mm-hmm. And then I know the history of my forefathers. Mm-hmm. Not only did I know it, I studied immensely in it. And I mean, I have, not to say that I'm a guru of knowledge, but I, I've understood a lot of things. And to say what we've come from to where we're at today, I've I got to disagree on that. Like, I have to disagree because you don't, you would never get to have the ability, right? Um, then 50 years ago, 60 years ago that you have right now. Right? So you have to take that into consideration. Like times are going to change. You have to take that into consideration. You have to take societies will always, no matter who they are, same color or different, will always have disagreements and prejudices that will always exist. Whether again, I can go into history, you can you can go into any culture, any country, and see within the same culture without differences of color, discriminate and have prejudices. I think that when we when we make light of situations that sometimes can be, because with the with the, the computers and the phones, you can make a small situation become major now. Yeah. You know, not to say that to minimize the situations that happen, but to say we have come nowhere because I know my grandmother, my grandmother wasn't allowed to go in certain places and she was a considered light-skinned person, you know, and she considered herself a colored person. And what to say is to be colored means that you have some color to your skin. So that means you may not be dark colored, but you have color. And they wouldn't let her you know, drink from water fountains. You never have gotten that. 
You've never witnessed that where somebody said, no, you can't sit from that water fountain. Go sit in the back of the bus. Go sit no, over there. Yeah. So there's a there's been tremendous change and we've come through that. Now, is it the responsibility of others to to continue to say, okay, they need to change something, right? Who is they? Our government? I mean, the government is, uh, is the people. So the people need to get over something where we need to come together and start to have discourse about issues. What we have is fighting, just my side, your side, gang fights, red and blue, you know, Democrats and Republicans, Crips and Bloods. You want to keep going? Because I can keep going. KKK and the Black Supremacists. You want to go on and on and on? You just have one side and another side. And they just constantly in this country keep going out ahead. In this country, I say in this country, right? When you go to other countries and you're from this country, they don't call you by your color. They tell you an American. So they're like, oh, you're you black as can be. And you go to some country where it's like you could be black, right? Say Jamaica. Go to Jamaica. You're the same color as them. Hey, you 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 Jamaican or you black? No, they were like you're an American. Yeah, man, you're American. You're American. Yeah, you got and you've never been called an American until you leave America. And then you're like, no, they always call me black. So then you think black is your culture, is your nationality. So then nationality. So when you come here or you come from another country, you carry that nationality with you. What do you consider yourself? A Mexican American or a Mexican American? You have an identity to have to kind of fall in line with. But when you go to Mexico, mm-hmm. how many people in Mexico from different cultures or countries that have been in Mexico, and what do they call themselves? These people don't even know that black people live, live in Mexico. Mm-hmm. There are black Mexicans, right? People oh, don't know that. Was, yeah. You know, they came with slave trade and so on and so forth. But if you go ask them, what are they? We're Mexican. Yeah. And then you ask the other Mexican, you know there's black men? There's Mexican. There's Mexican, right? But we're still fighting on what we are and what we're trying to fight for. And not understanding we can fight together. Because the good thing is, in this country, we still revolve on politics. And politics like to play sides. And we play sides. This is a country of playing sides. North, South, East, West. West Coast beef, East Coast beef. I knew dudes, when I moved out here, they'd never even been to New York, but just was mad at me because I was from the East Coast. Rick right? <laughs> <laughs> Rodney for Death Row, they're not even from LA. They're from Las Vegas. And they moved there from another place, and they're riding for the West Coast. No, riding to the West, again, that's how, that's how people interpret things, and we kind of just continue to keep shuffling this thing over and over and over. People are now trying to resolve issues in the, in the, in the minority communities, gangs, right? And then we still have gang violence that just goes on and on and re-perpetuates. Why? Because if you bring up, yo, man, back in the 70s, y'all rode on my homies and y'all killed the OGs. And what do they do? They keep perpetuating that same violence that doesn't resolve any issues. So we've come a long way. Mm -hmm. It's just that we keep falling back into the same situations and the same thing we haven't found. Again, you can't, you you can keep trying and do the same thing over and over and think you're going to get a different result, but you're not. And, and that, that's what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not saying that um, there hasn't been any changes. Of course, this was a country uh, with slavery. We got rid of that in the Civil War. Every country has slavery. And then, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every country and then we had uh, blacks not, not, you know, being able to drink from the same fountain. Mm-hmm. That went away after the Civil Rights Movement. Uh, all I'm saying is that, like you said, there will always be prejudice. Yeah, yeah. how do we get over that? How by looking at people humanly, humanly mm-hmm. and take away what it is that's on the outside and start to... What was, again, you brought up Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. If you remember his speech, I Have a Dream. Yeah. When you take away the person's color and you base him off his character, yeah. 
So I can care less what color you are. I based off your character. So I look at you as a character, as a human being. I will never look at you and say, I'm going to choose your side based on the color of your skin. Because that's no different than the other person that did that before I did it. So he did the same thing. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna look. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass up this job on him because you know you the same color as me. Right. Well, what, what, then we flip the script and I do the same thing. Oh, I'm gonna pass on that job on him because you the same color as me. Mm-hmm. Where does any change happen? At it just flips from one side to the next side. Oh yeah. So that, that's what people do when power starts to see what happened in Rome. When the Romans realized that the Christians were taking over, what they do? We're gonna become Christian. So we'll just make the Holy Roman Catholic Church. So we'll just switch on over and go on the winning side. We're going to go to the winning side. Oh, yeah. You know, the winning side is going to go. So people right now say, hey, look, you know what? The paradigm is shifting. Hey, we need to go on the winning side. Mm-hmm. But why does it always have to be a side? Why can't we just come to an agreement and start to look? And again, and based upon that person, yeah, you're going to be this way. Maybe your, your disagreements and so on and so forth. Um, one of the greatest things was a guy who people don't really know in research. There's a guy, I forget his name, but he goes and he... Mm-hmm. He changes white supremacists. He changes oh, KKK yeah, members. Yeah. And oh, what he does is he just gets to know them. Yeah. And they trade each other's yeah. situations. Yeah. And by showing you I'm a human being, yeah. that breaks down Those that things. separation. Yeah. Because lack of knowledge makes you afraid of me. Right. Well, mm-hmm. Lack of knowing me and ignorance separates you from me. Mm-hmm. So if you continue with that same ignorance, because I've seen so many different cultures perpetuate uh, the same thing in so many different ways. Whether it be the same color, it could be colorisms, I don't care if you're Latin, I don't care if you're Asian, I don't care if you're white, Polynesian, black. Your color can be in your own race and can be a detriment to you. You know what I mean? And so the same thing, we have colorisms within that. And what what then? What's the difference then? You know, so again, we have to learn how to sit down and things like this and talk. And again, we need to share experiences. Uh, The jiu-jitsu gym, we like to say, is Switzerland. Because you come in... You're from many different cultures and backgrounds and beliefs and systems. And you don't really know who's in there because they go home. So, again, we're getting to get experiences with different lives and cultures and celebrate that. And then, I, and then again, that shows me, okay, so I get to meet a, a Polynesian, you know, and I, and, I, and, I, and I love that culture, you know. And so I get to meet the Asian. I get to meet this culture. And I learn and try to celebrate everything from everybody's culture. To even say that everybody's culture, it, it, it has some, yeah, we all... Everybody's culture has some demon past in it, For sure. right? I don't care who you are. Sure. Somebody fought somebody within the same culture. Again, you Mexican. We can go through the the native Mexican and the more Hispanic Mexican. Oh, you know? sure. We can yeah. talk about the colorism within oh, that. Yeah. And in Mexico, how you can be discriminated against and how they are the lower on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. And the people that come up from the south always have to deal with the same discriminations with them when they move up. So if you move from central... Again, we can talk about this all the time, but being able to just... Celebrate this man's culture, not celebrate the demon past, but celebrate the good of what it brought. Because in the end, if you was born here, if your generations came here, in the end, you are from here. You are American. As as, as much as you want to identify with your culture, you should. But again, you have to. What you know is what you was brought up on. Because uh, again, some of my family came here three generations ago, speaking a language they don't. Even, some of them don't even speak anymore. So what are they going to relate to? Yeah, I can relate to my past because that was brought me here. And you know, same thing for some, for some, for some, for some Caucasians that who they didn't come here during that time. Everybody came here during this time with their family from another country, and then they got to take on the load of what some people did before them that they have nothing to do with. You know what I mean? And take on the responsibility and the blame. 
Someone we can just sit down and trade ideas and thoughts and discourse and, and celebrate each other's culture. Because when you go to some countries that are more culturally celebrated, they will celebrate other cultures and represent and so on and so forth. And I think that's just what it is. The world is one place and we all live in it together. You just got to understand, you know, ants live with other insects. You know, some of them attack, some of them don't. But we all live in this sort of, you know, uh, ecosystem that we have to learn how to live in together. Because when we individualize ourselves, we do nothing but destroy from within. I mean, you can look at any past civilization that tried it. It doesn't work. We've been here thousands of years. You can go through all the books, whether you want to read the Bible or any book, to tell you pretty much they employed it on themselves because of their own ignorances. I mean, it's not going to change until we start to understand. Again, we have this ability now with the Internet, like I was saying, to reach. I get to go on the Internet, and I can, I can learn about your culture. I can learn about your culture. You know, I always ask people, how many languages you speak? Because by when you open yourself up and speak different languages, you open up to different cultures, and they can relate to you. They relax with you because you speak their language. So they can be who they are themselves and don't have to put on a different face. You know, sometimes it's hard if you gotta come here and you gotta speak English with an accent. And you kinda like, you know they're gonna make you know some something about you, so you trying your best. And that makes you nervous, that makes you fumble in your words and make it worse, you know. You know what I mean? Can just being accepted like, yeah, you know, great, so on and so forth. Because you know Polynesians have huge much history yeah, in many other countries, New Zealand, Australia, mm -hmm. deal with the same thing, you know, in so many different situations. And again in this country when when it came here, you had to move to yeah, uh, Carson side of LA and yeah. deal with all of that and be right mixed into a neighborhood and you have to adapt, you know. Yeah. Mexicans in the same situations, what they had to go through, Cesar Chavez and all of the fighting and you want me to work here but you don't want to give me rights and stuff like that. So again, everybody deserves some representation but discourse and understanding the differences and not be quick to just say, oh, this, that, and the third, point the finger at you and this and this is what it was. I mean, again, we got to heal from the past, not keep using it to, that's the thing. You got to learn, but we don't study. A lot of us don't study it. We just listen yeah. to the next man who did the studying, yeah. but he did the work and you're like, yeah, I'll just listen to what he said, but he can give you his distorted image of that, which is based upon, because everybody loves to distort the past, so it benefits them in the future. Yeah, for sure. Damn, man. I don't know if y'all are watching this, but comment in our, in our video. To help us get James to start a podcast, good yeah, man. <laughs> this is my first podcast, man. I'm ready to run a wall, run a wall for you, man. For real, man. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate it. And I think that's the whole thing about this whole movement, right? It's everybody just wants equality. I know there's people that get mixed in the shuffle on the wrong side or end up going one way a little too hard. And I think mm -hmm. that's like we spoke last time. It's, that's why sports are so big. Like, I hate the Cowboys. What the Cowboys do to you? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah. everybody's so always so team. You know? like, but the human is tribal. Yeah. The human being's yeah. nature yeah. is tribal. Yeah. Yeah. It's tribal in its sense. It's in his nature. It's in his instincts. Yeah. It's, it's what's given to you. But we have knowledge because we have consciousness. So that consciousness sometimes uh, is driven also with instinct. And those two combine. And again, the tribe is... Like again, going back to the village, the tribe has to protect itself so from outside invaders, and that's something that happens. So we do tend to resort yeah. to the tribe, and we can, we can, you know, uh, echo that and voice that and push that forward. That my tribe is the leader of all, you know, instead of saying that my tribe is in existence with each other. Because, the world you know, through the biggest countries, because again, this is a smaller country, but in the big countries like South America, Africa, Asia, where the the culture and the ethnicity is maybe the same, but it's small differences in that tribe, right? So this tribe may be, 
I don't know, 40 miles from this tribe, but they speak two totally different languages. But as you an outsider, you look at them and say they're the same. Yeah. But they have two different languages with two different dialects that do not understand each other. Mm -hmm. And the country that, again, most people, is a scientific fact, scientific fact, excuse me, is that in Africa, it's known that's the birthplace of civilization. But people don't realize, it's like maybe, I don't know, I could be wrong, but if you check the facts on this, over 3,000 tribes or more, over 300,000 languages, mm -hmm. and none of them are interchangeable. Some of them don't understand each other. So again, and they are right next to each other, on top of each other, this, this country over, this over, that over. So again, we can be tribal, but we just have to learn now as a world tribe. That's you know the sense of what people are trying with globalism is to try to just be one world, just try to. But some people don't want that because they don't want to have to accept, you know, some of those things. And again, you know that that's a whole other topic for another situation. But you know, as the internet gets wider and bigger, we are becoming a one world, and we have, we do feel the pain if this goes happen, that happens over there. You can see now people see the pain. But it's not, like you said, it's not new. It hasn't like it has never existed. But like you said, there's a phone, there's more light to it. There's more voices for it. Um, I think that's the only difference. I truly believe we're living in the 60s again. Mm -hmm. The differences between the 60s then and the 60s now is the internet. Yep. The 60s back then didn't have the internet. They had the first, they had the advancement of TV. Yep. So that was their internet. They had an advancement. You got to see that on TV. But again, it's through a two. It is through the perception of what it is. The perception is everything. So now you have the internet. So it opens up your perception. But again, it's still some perception. Some things are still being manipulated and modified. But by having a wider open web, you can see all sides of it and kind of try to get a full story. And I think that's what we should always do. Discourse, conversation, full story, learning how we can deal from it, talk about it, get over it, and then move forward. That's, that's the true moving forward. I think that is only going to work. This, the way I see things now, I don't see that working. I just don't see it working. I just see a fight ready to start. Yeah, because uh, tribalism again, you know, yeah, like it's a fight uh, right waiting to start. versus blue, yeah. right versus left. Yeah, and me and I were talking about like uh, how when people have conflict, mm -hmm. that seems very. Um, and I'm not even just talking about Black Lives Matters or anything like that, but just just drama between one side or the other. And then you really get into the discussion of why it started. You see, that's a very minimal, little, tiny. Problem, but what sells? Expand it out what by sells? itself, yeah. and the thing is, people get addicted to that. People get yes. addicted to to that. My side is right, yeah. all that, and that's why you kind of tune out the other side. Yeah. And I wasn't bringing up that not much has uh, changed because nothing has changed. I, I think things have changed. Well, you said like minimal change. I just think that we have made big change. Oh, okay. I just think we that always can do better. Yeah, yeah we, we can, can always, always do better. better. Definitely, we can always search to do more. But I think what keeps better. us from doing much better. Uh, is that um, we we are embarrassed to admit when we're wrong when we're, we take a certain stance and certain side. Yeah. You know, it's like a football game. You know, like, this is this is my team. Yeah. Win or win or lose, this is my team. Bah, 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 bah. But like like you said though, like Mitch said earlier though, he got tapped out by you, and when he was trying to your your taekwondo on him, but you're willing when presented the facts, you're willing to go ahead and have an open mind. Educate yourself. Yeah. Educate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not, we're, again, we're in a society that is not educated properly. Mm -hmm. It's not educating properly. We're in a society that haven't had knots and haves don't want to give up what they have to the have nots so they can have a playing field that's, that's fair. Um, and then the haves worked hard. So it's like, I worked hard. How come you can't work hard? Yeah. You know, <laughs> so again, you have all of these things that only are going to come through with time and individuals. Yeah. yeah. 
having conversation, I think. So, yeah. And again, it just comes back to conversation. Um, it's not a secret. So what I try to tell people, it's not a secret. The past is there. You see it. You know what happened. You know what is going on. So to just keep just echoing the same thing over and over, but without solutions and, and, and progress, I just feel we're just going to rewind. But again, people that want to perpetrate that for power purposes, you know, whether it be politicians or whether it be someone of, of, of status with money that needs to keep the, the money rolling and the bank going and the, the ball rolling, yeah, if you want power and you like the way you live up on this hill and that does, you don't want to change, and you can be blinded by that. It could be conscious or it could be subconscious. Sometimes people think a lot of things are conscious. Like this dude got up today and said, I'm just going to do this. But just the way things happen and, and the way things are perpetuated, and I got this guy in my ear saying this, mm-hmm. and I got the other person saying that, I could, I'm trying to figure out myself. I don't even know myself. So, yeah, I may play into this side, and then I may go and perpetuate that because I've been just drowning myself in this this type of listening or learning or listening to whatever I'm listening to with this person or thing. Again, it could be a post, it could be whatever. And it just, I like that. And it just keeps going. And then you end up perpetuating that. That's the word, perpetuation. What is perpetuating is just constantly repeating the next thing again. And I always say it, it's a gang culture because it's like a child. You grew up, your father was doing something and you repeat that. You're just going to perpetuate that. So you're not changing the cycle. You just end up doing what he did. And now you carry that on. And now your kid carries that hate because of what happened to you from that person that had nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. But because the father didn't teach and say, you know, this is just a disagreement between two men who didn't understand each other yet. And there was no level of understanding. Because when the, the receptors are blocked, there's no level of understanding. It's just fighting. Mm-hmm. That's what a fight is. And jiu-jitsu is teaching us to sit here and go with the flow sometimes and not to always resist and learn how to go with it to, to come back and to, again. And that's intellect. That's intellect. That's education. But in society, right, where they're taking away the intellectual voice and give you a scientific voice of sometimes you don't, if you can't back up his science because he's the big top, big dog and you don't have no history or no knowledge or you're not educating yourself, you're just going to listen to what somebody tells you. Yeah. And if you're the person that falls in his ears, or his mouth and your ears fall in his mouth and you like what it sounds like because we all human beings and we move on vibrations. Right. So if you like what he's saying, you're going to go with that. And again, mm-hmm. if you don't have knowledge of self, because that's what it comes down to, knowledge of yourself. Do you understand yeah. yourself and your beliefs and are you, uh, are, you know, are you ignorant? Are you this? Are you that? Because that's what it comes down to. It's a lot of ignorance. You know, right. People mm-hmm. don't want to throw that to the side because sometimes it makes you feel good. Yeah, I think critical thinking is something that we need to teach the uh, that sure. very hard now. Very yeah. hard to do. Because yeah. it's critical, critical thinking. thinking away. Yeah, well, I, I never like writing the papers, but I like that uh, process of uh, when it came to college and such, but I always love the idea of uh, researching for research. the paper. Mm-hmm. You know? I like research. And um, one of the best things I ever learned, one was in first grade and one was in third grade. Uh, in first grade, it was... Um, to, to get everybody's perception, to, to get more reality-based opinion of what's going on. Uh, I got that from uh, the story of three blind men. Now, you guys might have heard it. Uh, this was like first grade, I swear to God, but I loved it. Uh, they're all touching a part of the elephant, right? One's touching the legs, it's like, oh, it's, it's like a, an elephant. Like, They've been blind all their lives, so they don't know what an elephant looks like. The other one's touching the trunk, no, man, it's like a snake. And the other one's touching the stomach, it's like, no, it's like, it's like a hippo. What are you guys talking about? It's not like a tree or a snake. They all were right about the elephant. Certain aspects were like a tree, like a tree, blah, blah, blah. but because they were not willing to listen to each other, they couldn't come up with a full picture of what it was. Wow. So that's why getting everybody's perspective is so important. Like James said, you, you cannot have it like, like okay, I'm right. It, yeah. That elephant's like a tree. Right. You guys are fucking idiots. Yeah. You can't have that attitude because you only know what you know. 
you don't know other people's perspectives if you don't listen to them. And another thing too, um, this uh, game, Backwards uh, Fiction, and it gave you statements. One being, you know, um, the shirt is red. And it's the shirt being red, and it's red. That. And then Lucy thinks that red shirts are the best in the world. Opinion. And I think critical thinking like that uh, is something we need to pass on to the next generation. For sure. For sure. But like how James was saying, um, I, I have to agree with you. I feel like our people, um, as far as uh, people of color, are progressing, but at a faster rate than we are admitting to ourselves. Mm -hmm. The only reason why is because, like you said before, the only media that we had before was mm -hmm. the news was controlling it. True. It was mm -hmm. controlling it. Only one set of person. Right. But because we have this technology, now we build our own platforms yeah. where we can this is spread news. those types of news. This news. Like, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The new norm. This yeah. is new news. It's sharing now. Exactly. Like sharing is caring. Exactly. So all the things now about sharing, I share my car with you. Exactly. So I don't need to call a cab anymore. That's going to take me the wrong way. Because that's how you know. I mean, that's the thing. Like you was getting con and never knew that you was getting con. Yeah. So now you take wow. away the con yeah. of the yeah, con man because the middleman is a con man. Yep. You know. Mm -hmm. You know. I, Bronx Tale, my favorite movie. Right. Working man's a sucker. Not oh, to say yeah. that a working man is working, but. In that sense, what they were saying is that you get suckered all the time as a working individual. You know, whether you're the guy driving the cab, it's not your fault you're driving the cab. But you got to do this because, you know, the company may not want to give you the money. So you go the long way to get a little extra money. But then you, again, that has a recourse. That has a reaction, action, reaction. So now it's like, you know, I got to take it out of the middleman. And now I'm the guy, I was the sucker, right? Getting suckered by my company. Right. I got a sucker, the guy that got in my car, right. so I can make a living, right. right? But now let's take out, let's take out that middleman. Let's take out and share now, right? So I'm sharing my whip, my car, mm -hmm. that I drive around my family in, and now I get to be the taxi driver. I was driving a taxi that I had to rent from this company right. who says I gotta pay X amount of dollars. Yeah. I'm practically in uh, servitude to them. Yeah. I make a short amount of money, but now I get to drive my car around get all the money, break a small portion off to the company who's just using the app, and the people in the back seat know where we're going. Yeah. And if I say, hey, you know, bro, I know I know a shorter route. Oh, yeah, can you just type that into the phone and you can just tell me how to get there faster? Yes. Yeah. And he goes the route. And you can see it. You know your time of destination. Actually, the phone tells you better than you might know because sure. you're going to be like, yo, I know I passed away. Well, <laughs> the phone, not. this is telling you guys, <laughs> this ride sharing uses the fastest. It has up-to-date GPS with traffic. Mm -hmm. And all, all, all. Oh, wow. Okay, cool, man. Mm -hmm. And you take me there. You can sit back in the car and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, we share. Now I get to share. Not only that, now same thing. I can rent my car to you where I had to go rent it from this company. Again, remember, yeah. you know, if you broke. You mad minority? I see this all the time. I used to hate going to the car rental to get a rental car. Right. You know, I was discriminated not, not too long ago at the rental place. You know, and I came to them and they, they helped and they helped everybody else. I get there. First thing the lady says to me is, "We don't accept debit cards." Right. I was like, "Why?" Because my people come in and act with debit cards all the time. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to say. I'm just saying we don't accept debit cards. Like you're trying to say I can't afford a credit card? Right. How do you know I don't have a credit yeah, card? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I even pulled out my ID or anything. Yeah. It's the first thing she said, right? But that's the thing. You gotta go there and you gotta say, Oh, I wanna rent a car. Well, we don't accept debit cards. Well, you know, maybe I don't have good credit. Maybe I messed up in my past. But hey, who's to say that I can't be more responsible right now and get a rental car? Yeah. You know, so now you can say, you know what? Forget the middleman who's not allowing me. I go here, I use my debit card, you know, hopefully I'm doing all right. But the thing is, when you use it, they got you locked in. So if you do something wrong, mm -hmm. 
When it got your info, you yeah. gotta use a real name, it gotta match up with you. Yeah, yeah. So again, sharing, we sharing, sharing is can. We share information. Yeah. We get on the internet, share this move with you, and you can learn this move over here in Europe and or wherever you Denmark and you can do this move with your people and you may not have all the right people to help you and black girls, but look now you can go reach with these people over here and we can share now. We can share that knowledge. And again, we're sharing knowledge and you can you can get that and again you start to when you share knowledge again, the same way when you're in the Uber, right? You're in an Uber with a stranger. You're in his car. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's different when you get in a cab, right? You ever get in an Uber and you feel like, okay, you kind of sit in the car like, yeah. you know, I'm in the backseat of somebody else's car. Now I'm like, I'm in a cab. Yeah. You know, when you get in a cab, you're like, whoa, yeah, yeah, man, you know, I want to go here. But when you get in an Uber, it's like, okay, let me fill out the guy, like, you know, who's driving me? Yeah, hey, how's it going? And you see them and they say, they say, hey, Caesar. You say, yeah, so James? Yes, hey, nice to meet you. Okay. And then the guy, you know, both of you trying to make small conversation yeah, because right. you're like, Two normal people, and that's what it's small. You know, you used to do it. You used to say that all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You used to talk about acting and things like that. Yeah, you yeah. finally get in the car, and people just start shooting the breeze. And then again, yeah, we're yeah. in the cab. You got the glass up. It's kind of like I'm driving you, you the, to your destination. You see the face. You see the face yeah, you don't even right talk to them. You know, like, yes. Hold your breath. You're like, oh my god. Can anything out go here? bad? Yes, anything can go bad. Yeah, like, anything oh, in life can go bad, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. You could be on an island and a hurricane or a tornado come and just wipe it out. Just like you could be in an Uber and a dude just say, "Hey, I'm gonna rob you today," even though I know it was you because you kind of got on the Uber app and did that. So you know, I'm just gonna catch you later. But hey, however it works, it, it's you know, it happens. You just pray again. That's part of life. Again, like you said, yeah. unpredictability is a part of life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but if you if you understand, that's a part of life and learn that life is exactly i heard somebody say this uh this documentary is that they said happiness is the silent time of history because no one ever talks about history when it was at its greatest they only talk about history when it was at its worst so if you put it all together you just feel like our whole existence as a human nature was just total destruction revolution uh uh, you know revelation and everything we're coming to an end but in those gaps where time was going through, that was the happy time when people were getting along and understand that, again, there's going to be a hard time and yeah. there's going to be a good time. So, again, don't look at the hard times. Look for the good times to come. Understand the hard times and you've got to wave the storm. Like being a surfer, man. You might get a good wave or you might get that one that wipe you out. Yeah. You know, so. You still got to get a lot of Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. So. Definitely, again, it comes back to talking and sharing and sharing our experiences. Mm-hmm. Sharing my car with you. You know, sharing my food with you. I'm cooking food out my house and serving it to you. Maybe not now in this time, but some people still are. Some people got to make a dollar, right? Some people are saying, okay, they took me out of my restaurant business. Now I got to cook out my house. Let me put my mask and gloves on and give you the same service. Now I got to really give you good service because now that's what we're looking for. And what's wrong with that? Great service. But now it's service, one-on-one personal service. And we get back to that, that where they think they're getting rid of the mom and pops, but they're empowering the mom and pop. Now we just want to use a new platform which is the internet and the apps and create a new generation, a new revolution, and that's what it's coming to. But we all got to get past our differences and come together in order to make those things work, I think. So just no, sharing, sharing is caring, man. Yeah, I think the uh, thing we learned in this show is uh, sharing, accepting, accountability, and uh, adaptability. I love man. I need, to, I need to take that and quote that down remember that. <laughs> I need to rewind it so I can remember that right there. Because you got to keep all of those in there. you got to have everything. Accountability is a major part, too, that some of us don't want to accept. Yes, you know, we grow up in society where we're not accountable. we got to be accountable. we got to accept the wrongs. we got to accept the wrongs of the past and move past them. You know, whoever's going to be that one to accept that wrong, whether it be the government, whether it be the politician, 
Because in the end, uh, unfortunately, this country never says sorry. If you don't know what the United States yeah. really don't say sorry, says sorry twice. Yeah. And they really don't. Um, mm-hmm. Hiroshima was one of them. And again, uh, somewhat for Native Americans. But you got to be some atonement in the past and say, because the government was the one that instituted a lot of laws that made things to say, you know what, we're sorry, let's move past it, let's, live, let's move yeah. on to a new America. Right. Well, we're America based upon Americans for the country. And everybody that comes here, we understand where you're coming from because, again, we all have a past. If you're from Las Vegas, most of most of the time you're not from Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Like you were born somewhere else and you came here, yep. right? So you came to this town. And some people from Las Vegas are shuffled in the mix. They they don't you don't even know who's from Las Vegas. Like I can say, everybody probably in this room, if you raise a hand, if you were born in Las Vegas, exactly. So you're from somewhere else, right? But you come in and accept it. Now raise your hand if you tell people you're from Las Vegas. Exactly. So what's the difference? You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to come here. I'm going to accept where I came from because I love the, yeah. I'm from the East Coast and I expect yeah. that. I that. But I'm in Las Vegas now, so I got to represent Las Vegas and the East right. Coast. Right. But I'm not going to forget where I came from and I'm not going to forget where I'm at. Right. So let's always remember that that's accountability. Just understand where we're at, where we came from, where we, the past is. Learn from it because if you don't learn from it, you're bound to repeat it. If you don't know about it, somebody can take advantage of it because you never knew what happened to you. You know, and so again, move forward with that idea. We all together. We just, you know, wherever. Because you go, if I went, say, if I if I go to another country, right? What you want? What do you think they want me to say when I get my paperwork and citizenship? They're gonna say, boom. All right, you're now this. Yeah, they may still say I'm from somewhere else, but then I gotta accept that this is the stamp that I wanted to put, and this is the place where I want to be. So again, Polynesians go to Australia. How many say, you know, they still say I'm Australian, but I'm Samoan descent. Or I'm from Tongan descent, yeah. or you know I'm from the island descent. I could be in New Zealand, heavy population, you know, heavy culture. We brought our culture with us, and at the same time, we're still New Zealanders, but we also, at the same time, we have our culture. So it's nothing wrong with that. It's celebrating that and accepting the new celebration of the culture here within, regardless of its past, because everybody got an ugly past. You yeah, know what I mean? sure. Even in your own past, you know, if you mm-hmm. deny that you had an ugly past, you can't move forward. Okay, 
I'm still somewhat of a man. I can go out here and still try to do that. He's motivated. And he used the jiu-jitsu as that way to motivate him. Or he was born without it. And he still is able to use jiu-jitsu as the motivation. We were doing that in the beginning. That's what Elio Gracie was doing. And then again, the sport took over. And the sport kind of, again, pushes out the normal everyday aspect of who we are as individuals. Because all of us are not sport athletes. But we're all doing this in the sense of some sort of motivation. Again, there's yeah. tons of motivation on why you're in here. But yeah, maybe if a podcast was using individuals from jiu-jitsu to talk about their past and their motivation. I know a lot of guys that have been through a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I used to think that I've been through some things and I hear some guys tell me stories and I'm like, brother, man, I, I can only commend you. Because yeah, you know, sure. my story makes makes my story like, oh, dang. Put that <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, let <laughs> me just be quiet. Yeah, you know, your story and you're here. I gotta commend you. Know, I gotta. I gotta use. Now you're motivating me. Forget that. Me motivating you. You're motivating me. Like I'm motivated by you. You know, when guys come in here and they motivate me, that's just like it's like energy for me. It's like I get a whole. I feel like my energy bar. Like I'm back when I see that motivation and then they motivate me. Man, my energy comes right back. So I could be depleted and then I fill up my whole energy bar. I'm back. You know, back in the video game again. Yeah. Got another life. There you go. We want to thank you guys again. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having us. Appreciate using the yeah. facility. Thank yeah. you for letting us use this for thank sure. Yeah. Anything you guys want to plug before we close this out here? Uh, again, plugging uh, the Academy, Gracie Kumaya Blue Diamond. Uh, Instagram, you can find us on Instagram. Find our website through Instagram. Uh, all of my friends and anybody that has any businesses, you know, we always like to try to uh, bring light to them as well. Yeah. Guy and Christian in the camp behind the camera. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, since I've met Matt and all of the amazing things that he's done, I love what he's doing and continue to do. And just watching his growth is, is always wonderful to see people just grow, you know, whether it be a child growing up and doing something with his life, see uh, Caesar on TV, you know, see uh, Matt doing something with uh, interviews and just getting his whole social platform out and then bringing you around and just bringing his brother around to do everything and, you know, Mitchell and all his goals and things like that. Always trying to, again, move forward, man. That's what I think. Just move forward. Everybody should always. I have a saying. I always try to say when I say when I. It's just moving. You're always moving. You know, just moving forward. You know, never looking back. Understanding that the past is there. You can't. You can't go back and fix it. You can just learn from it and move forward. Just keep it moving. You know, don't hold grudges. Remember, just, you know, love. Love is love. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Kenny. You want to plug anything? Oh, I don't even plug right now, really. Okay. You know. Anything to plug, brother? Hey, Gracie Blue Diamond. Yeah. Check, check, check <laughs> it out, man. Thank you again, James, for letting us use this. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys again. Appreciate it. Akuna Matata, my friends. Akuna Matata. Yes, sir. We out. Peace. What's the word? Ooh.